Chapter 64 of The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter 64 Conference between Dr. Juno and Conspirators. Dr. Juno saw that Deacon Stew was fairly frantic, and would strangle Reverend Joe Pierre if a speedy act would not tear him away from the cowardly Reverend gentleman. Therefore, he ran up to him and gave him a stunning blow with his fist on the temple, which sprawled the savage deacon like a dead frog, when he ordered his soldiers to bind him. The Reverend Joe Pierre sprang to his feet and ejaculated, Noble Dr. Juno, the Lord bless! Oh, the Lord bless you! Oh, I am so scared, I do not know what to do! What shall I do? What must I do to be saved?" "'Do what is right, as you always should have done,' replied Dr. Juno. "'Then you would not be found in such dangerous company.' "'Noble sir, you are right,' exclaimed Reverend Joe Pierre. "'But will I be safe? Oh, Lord! Will I be safe when the deacon gets his liberty again? I wish I had never seen these bloody people. O oh Lord, Lord, save and succor the elect!" "'Nonsense!' exclaimed Dr. Juno emphatically. "'Do not talk to the Lord in my presence of the elect!' "'No, sir, Lord, no, sir, I won't,' said Joe Pierre, scared almost to death. "'But what, oh, what can I say or do to please you?' "'Do what is natural and right.' responded Dr. Juno. "'Yes, sir, I will, if you will only tell me what and how that is, for I am so anxious to be a good man,' coweringly said he. "'You cowardly dog!' growled Deacon Rob Stew at his brother Peer. "'You are a fine fellow to do what is right. You will do anything that is mean to save your contemptible life. Dr. Juno, permit me to say to you, although you hate me, and that hatred is reciprocated, that you had better not trust this hypocritical reverend Dr. Peer, for the moment he finds out that your party becomes the weakest, he will turn and join the strongest. He is a dirty coward, and I am sorry now that I have not slain the ingrate before this late hour." "'Great Lord! Dr. Juno, do not believe him! He is the most domineering, tyrannical, and hard-hearted wretch that ever lived!' he will covenant with the devil himself to gain his point," ejaculated Joe Pierre in the most excitable manner. "'Indeed, boys, I see that neither of you are to be trusted,' said Dr. Juno, smiling. "'Oh, yes, dear doctor, you can trust me. I am only cowardly when I am in the wrong, for I fear the devil, and to dial Watts laboring in a bad cause, such as we conspirators have done, should make any conscientious man fear and tremble exclaimed Reverend Joe Peer. "'Really, you both astonish me,' said Dr. Juno. "'And I see good in each of you. You might become most useful members of society if you would desert your bloody comrades and join the progressive or natural Christians. I would cheerfully take you both, and all these, your brother and sister conspirators, on probation, under parole and secure guardianship. What say you two leaders?' I'll do it, and may the Lord bless the attempt!" exclaimed Joe Pierre. "'I won't do it,' responded Deacon Stew, 
and Dr. Juno knows why I will not. "'Surely you do not forget the altered state of circumstances, lovely deacon,' said Dr. Juno, laughing quite freely. "'A curse be the ground you tread upon,' silently mumbled the deacon. "'Well, soldiers, we must to work and away. Therefore prepare to parole those of the prisoners who will be willing to take the ironclad oath, and those who are arbitrary conduct to our secret prison.' I will give those a chance to step to the right side of the hall who wish to be paroled. The others remain where they are," said a captain of the naturalists. The entire sainthood, brothers and sisters, stepped to the right side of the hall to be paroled. When Deacon Rob Stew saw this, he said, "'Cowards! Would you all desert me and our beloved cause?' As he made this remark, he caught the eyes of the physician-in-chief and Dr. Toy Pansy who looked sufficiently defiant to satisfy his deaconship that they would care as little for their parole as the deacon did himself. This greatly pacified him, for he had great hope that the dead and wounded, which numbered ten conspirators killed and six wounded, whilst only a few naturalists received trifling wounds, would cost Dr. Juno's life, or at least his liberty, for the deacon little dreamt what a deep and extensive undercurrent existed throughout the nation. Dr. Juno also watched, and saw the eyes of these two physicians, and he therefore permitted his captain to administer the oath to all the conspirators, except to these two physicians, when they reached Juno, said, "'Captain, I will attend to them. Finish the rest first. "'I have finished all but the deacon and two physicians,' said the captain. "'Bring Nancy Clover into the hall,' commanded Dr. Juno. Then he brought the five leading conspirators together, namely, Clover, Stew, Peer, Pansy, and Physician-in-Chief. And, after dismissing all the paroled prisoners, he addressed them as follows, and swore them on an extra oath. "'I have it in my power to shoot you.' "'Oh, don't! I pray you, Lord!' interrupted Joe Peer. "'Silence!' ejaculated Dr. Juno. "'I will have no more interruptions.' I will not kill you now, but shall demand an extra oath from you, and whilst I administer it, an officer has gone for a warrant for your arrest, for conspiring against the working people and myself." "'Oh, holy ghost!' mumbled Joe Peer audibly. "'You have committed sufficient crime to be convicted and hung. At least I shall ask ten thousand dollars bail for your appearance at court, to answer the charges as above stated.' The officer and magistrate, also a naturalist, made their appearance in the hall, and each of these parties were asked to give ten thousand dollars security for their appearance at court. Failing to procure said surety, they were locked up in a station-house, and the following morning were bailed out. But the newspapers were full of it, there having a great change taken place in the opinions of even the editors of these papers that used to libel Dr. Juno but it only shows, as I have stated in the first part of this story, that newspaper men have few, if any, prejudices beyond their pockets, and whenever they see that the party which they have formerly libeled is likely to become the most popular and influential, they drop all others and espouse the cause of the one that has the heaviest purse. When the prisoners were asked by the magistrate what they had to say, Reverend Joe Peer exclaimed in agony, "'I acknowledge my shortcomings and imperfections, 
but I am not guilty of sufficient crime to be either imprisoned or hung, bless the Lord." "'Mr. Peer,' interposed Nancy Clover, "'I consider you the greatest scoundrel in the country.' "'Oh, holy sister, how can you? Oh, Lord, how can you say that?' exclaimed Joe Peer. "'I shall lose all my faith in you for saying that.' "'No matter to me, but you shall suffer for all your apostasy.' said Nancy Clover. "'Great Lord! Oh, but I am a heartbroken and fearful man!' ejaculated Reverend Joe Peer. "'You would surely not harm me, dear sister!' "'Away to the lock-up with these bloody conspirators,' said Dr. Juno. End of chapter 64